Good morning, everybody. You guessed it. You're back with the Two Peas on a Pod podcast coming at you on a hopefully lovely Tuesday morning. We got a feedback email if you'd like to send us some at 2Ps21 at yahoo.com. T W O P E A S 21 at yahoo.com. We also have an Instagram page. You can follow us there at 2Ps on a Pod 21. But we are so glad that you tuned in with us today. We have a special guest with us. You already read in the description. You already read it in the title. But we are going to talk to a wonderful friend of ours. We've been trying to do this for probably a year, yeah. at least, getting it together. But I have with me Brother David Miller, pastor at PHT in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the podcast. How about that right there? Hey, yeah, all right. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's so good <laughs> to be with you, Brother Austin. Have you ever had a standing ovation before? Well, not like that. Get more. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so we've tried to have you on here for probably at least a year. Yeah. And last time we was in the area, I think you was battling a lot of sickness. Yeah. And different things. But we finally have got together. I don't know when this will be put out. Okay. But welcome to the podcast for the first time. Yeah. We're excited about being with you. Well, I sure appreciate you coming. So we're just going to start out, just jump right in the gate, and uh, right out the gate, I should say. And so you've been pastor here a long time. We'll get to that. But you can tell your age or not tell your age. That's up to you. Oh, it's okay. But tell us when you got saved, where you got saved, when you started preaching, you know, all that, all that good stuff. All right. Yeah, well, I was 16 years old, and when I first got saved— I had prayed some when I was 14, 15, but to really get saved, I was 16 years old, and I got saved at uh, a little little bitty church called Logan Creek Pentecostal Church, and we was, uh, I remember the night I got saved, just, it was a small church, wasn't a very big church, and there was uh, preaching that night, Brother Johnny Carter and Brother Harley Hensley. Uh, great men of God of that day was preaching revival, preaching the back and forth, taking the mic and passing it back and forth. And they was preaching on the prodigal son. And I really got under conviction. And I do remember this. I told the, the two young men sitting with me there in the row, I said, uh, are you going to go pray? And they said, no. I said, well, then move out of my way because I was kind of blocked in. And I went down the altar that night, gave my heart to the Lord, and been serving the Lord ever since. And I don't care to tell you my age. I just turned 70 uh, about two weeks ago, actually, turned 70. So 54 years I have been serving the Lord. I tell you one thing that me and my brother-in-law and wife, I've told them, and they, they've told me, and I said, Brother Dave, to be 70 years old, He's got about 120 years of experience <laughs> <laughs> to hear the stories and everything you've went through in your ministry. It's it's just unbelievable. For those that listen to Odyssey, and we've talked about it on this podcast, we have with us the Mr. Whitaker <laughs> <laughs> of the holiness people right here that knows everything, done it all, been there and back, and got the T-shirt. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I can equate your ministry to. Well, you know, I started. I started really evangelizing back then. There's still a lot of churches in the greater Cincinnati area, but if there was a churches like Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Dayton, Indianapolis, around Cincinnati area, there's just a 
an unbelievable amount of churches. Yeah. And so when I was 18, uh, I'd done a lot of singing back then. I still do, but a lot more then. And folks would have me come and preach a night or two. And so at 18 years old, uh, I was already preaching a lot. I think the year I turned 18 to my 19th birthday, I think I preached like 185 or 90 nights that first year. Wow. And then the second year, I preached 252 nights. I've got all these recorded in a book. I'm glad I kept it all. <laughs> and uh, so that was, my, that was my second year. And then I worked every day. And so it was really tough. You know, I, my wife, would, I would ride with guys to work and back, and I'd sleep. And my wife would drive me to revival and back, and I'd sleep. <laughs> and because I was preaching every, every night, and then when I turned 20 years old, I went full-time in the ministry. And that has been 50 years I've been full-time in the ministry. Wow. 50 years full-time for God. Yeah. And actually, we— uh, I'm working on four. <laughs> that, that's great. That's great. I, I believe I believe we evangelized— I definitely feel like the little P <laughs> on, on this podcast. Yeah. I think I evangelized almost six years— yeah, almost six years, and then I took my first church. I pastored two years uh, in Lebanon, Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, I closed. I mean, I resigned on a Sunday night, and a pastor, well, Irvin Steele. Irvin Steele's a great man right. of God. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he called me up. I don't know how he found out so quick, Brother Austin, but he knew I'd resigned by the time I got home. So wow. he called me up and he said, did you resign? He didn't look on Facebook? No, they didn't have Facebook. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, uh, I call it two Facebook sometime, but my <laughs> folks don't like it when I say it. But anyway, uh, you can edit that out if you want to. But anyhow, That's all right. <laughs> uh, he called me up and said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, well, he said, you're going to evangelize? I said, probably. And he said, well, just come up tomorrow night and start us revival. So I went up to Connersville, Indiana, at the church at 10th Street. Urban mm-hmm. was pastor. And I was there five weeks and preached revival there. And we had over 100 saved. And on the second Sunday, we baptized 56 in water. I think we had 11 or 12 get the Holy Ghost. Wow. And so I preached that revival and one more. And they came every night, the folks from this church at at Haytown Hill come every night to that revival mm-hmm. and ask me, would you, will you take our church? And I said, I'll never pastor again. And that was my feelings. But I said, well, I'll come and help you. So I went there to just really help a month or two. And I wound up being there about 14 months. And then the Lord spoke to me to come here. And I left, I resigned there on a Sunday, took this church on a Tuesday and now, if was I, this church open or oh yeah this church been going on since 19 i didn't know if the pastor was searching for you or well the pastor had been trying to get me to come for months mm-hmm. he had had uh hb cole was his name uh some of y'all know bruce cole was his uncle okay and uh so he tried to get me to come for a long time and anyhow we we came and preached eight straight tuesday nights which they had church on tuesday while i was pastoring up there now it sounds like we're on an airplane. It does. That's a heat <laughs> kicked off. 
But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we we came here and took this church, and the first week of April will be 41 years. Wow, that I've been here. That's something. I'm thinking about staying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been here for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you pastored. Well, I guess you said three churches. Three churches. Yeah. And so you landed here. What? Forty plus years being here. How how many years total did you say you was in the ministry? Uh, fifty. So you've been in the ministry for fifty years. Forty fourth pastor. Preaching all over the place. Yeah. And so let's dive into into that. Okay. The your your life in the ministry. You got married very young. Sixteen. To your sweetheart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you and Sister Diane been married a long time. Yeah. That's I mean over fifty four. You probably years. don't remember time without her. No, I don't really. Yeah, I got ready to come to meet you, and she told me, I love you so much. Hurry up and come back home. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. I love that woman. That is so funny. Is that allowed to be said on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Well, we sure don't want you to say the other thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we definitely are. T- we want gender distinction. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we appreciate you coming on. There are so many different testimonies and stories in miracles that you've seen in over 50 years of ministry and i'm sure we could do a hundred episodes and not get through all of them yeah and so i just asked you to pick out a few that really stick out in your mind and that you feel like would probably help somebody and i know there's all kinds okay there's a few that i stick out in my mind because i've heard you preach many times you've preached revival at my home church several times um even before we evangelized you've held us revival several times uh, Valentine's banquet, which I wasn't there, but you was there, and you come down and preach Wednesday night, and just different things. Yeah, and uh, of course, just sitting around talking sometimes for hours, we would uh, we would hear stories and testimonies of miracles, and so however you want to start. Okay. I know you got married when you were sixteen. Yes, and so there's a few miracles right there at the yeah. very beginning um, of your ministry. You can share with us. Well, if I could start out, Brother Austin, probably the. The most memorable one was uh, we hadn't been married real long, and my wife, Diane, she had a, a large uh, a tumor in her neck. You could see it, and they thought it was a, a gorder, and uh, so they scheduled for surgery, and she went in for surgery, and when the doctor come out, he said it was cancer. It wasn't, wasn't a gorder, and... Uh, he was actually crying, and he said, uh, we got all of it we could. He said, I know it's cancer. we got to send it off, but I know it is. And he said, we got all we, we could, but he said, we just sewed her back up because he said, I really don't think there's anything we can do for her. So when it came back, they told us she had one behind her ear cancerous tumor, and they took all of her uh, thyroid out and all the lymph nodes they could get. That was all cancer. She had a, a large cancer behind her breastbone and one underneath her arm that was all cancer. And they said it was terminal. And uh, I asked how long she had, and they told me three weeks to a month. So wow. they gave her no hope at all. And he said, uh, I, I really don't think it's going to do any good to give treatments course i wanted her to have treatments and you know she did, did you say how long you've been married well see she was 19 so it would have been three years wow three years have been married 
And I remember what I did when we left the hospital that day. And she was in Christ Hospital here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I, on the way home, my sister was driving me because I was pretty distraught. Yeah. And my sister, she was telling me things would be okay. And I looked at her and I said, I'll tell you one thing. I won't eat another bite. I won't drink another drop until God either heals her or takes her home. And I was serious about that. And on the sixth day, I don't know how much time I got here to do this, but tell you this, but uh, on the sixth day, I was laying across the bed in my mom and dad's house. And I remember it was about maybe one or two in the morning. And I didn't know a ton of Bible yet. I knew the Bible, not a lot. And I was laying across the bed and I prayed and I said, God, when Hezekiah was going to die, he turned his face to the wall and he wept bitterly. And he said, if I've done what's pleasing in your sight, you know, to spare my life. And I said, uh, you did. You spoke to Isaiah to go back and tell him that you granted him or added 15 years to his life. And I remember I said, God, you're no respect to person. You said that. And I know you can heal my wife. And if you will, I'll tell it everywhere I go at least once. And what I felt, Brother Austin, and you've heard me probably tell this, it felt just like a huge wind just came in that room. Now, this was in January. Actually, 50 years ago this month. Yeah, this January of 23. So that was 73. And anyway, I, I thought, well, what was that? And I just got up and I looked around. You know, naturally the windows were shut in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a small country house where my mom and dad lived. They had one closet and it was in that bedroom, small little country house. And I laid back across the bed and I prayed again. I said, God, the same words, you can. And I felt that again. And then it dawned on me. I said, now something's not right here. I said, Lord, I don't want to tempt you, but if this is you and you are trying to tell me something, if you'll let me feel that again, I'll just stand up and tell the world you healed my wife. And that time it felt like a a rush of like like on the day of Pentecost, like a rushing mighty wind. And I jumped up and I started getting ready. My mom and dad, they said, What are you doing? I said, God just healed Diane, I'm going to the hospital. And, of course, they tried to calm me down and because the doctor done told me, you know, she wasn't going to make it. And, of course, they went with me, and uh, we went to the, to the hospital. And when I got there, there was all kinds of nurses and doctors around her door. It was all standing around. I couldn't get in. I got there like 5 in the morning. And so I, they told me to wait. The doctor was coming to see me. So my family all thought she died in the night. And when the doctor came, I remember it was Dr. Tipperman. He was a, a famous doctor. He's the one who took Johnny Bench's lung out, the famous ball player. And so anyway, the doctor, he told me, he said, somebody better hold that boy. I don't know if you can contain him. Once again, they thought she died. And he said, your words haunted me. Every day you'd say, is she better yet? And he said, I really want to turn your case over to another doctor. But he said, last night about 1 or 2 o'clock, I couldn't sleep. So I came to the hospital. 
So he said, walk over here with me. He took me to a, a big uh, light like thing on the wall mm -hmm. and he slid the uh, uh, x-rays up in there. He said, do you see those spots? And they were like little white spots, about like golf balls or a little smaller. He said, uh, all of those, he said, you see them? I said, yeah. He said, those are the cancerous tumors. He said, now that was on the day after the surgery. And he said, here are the ones I just took last night. And he slid them up. He said, do you see anything? I said, no. He said, me neither. So I took these. And he put some more up. And he said, do you see anything? I said, no. He said, the only thing I know to do is tell you that. And I, this meant something to me. He didn't say she was cured or well or better. The word he used was, he said, it looks like God must have healed your wife. And, of course, you know, we went went told Diane and they was trying to pull out the needles she jumped up takes off running all over the hospital and God healed her and that's been 50 years ago this month wow never had another problem God's a healer God's real <laughs> so that was a, that was a great miracle I think yes it was and you know, I'll say this before I, you move on I wondered what that was you know that I didn't know what that meant when I felt that wind coming through there but I think I do today as an older preacher. Because, you know, the Bible talks about, Behold, he holdeth the wind in his fist. Now, here's what I think. Do you remember when the, the man, I think it was with a, with a withered hand. I think that, but it was one of the men that was needing healing. And they asked, Jesus said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole. Yes. And the Bible said, he said, I will. I think exactly what happened. When I was saying, God, would you, will you? I think God just looked toward me, just like he did that man, opened up his hand and said, yes. I think that's what it was because he holds the winds in his fist. What a mighty God. God is a healer. Wow. That's an unbelievable story. It's a true story. 50 years ago. Yes. And he can still do it right now. And she's doing great right now. Yeah. I just seen her. Yeah. She's doing great. Was it last week? Yep. Yeah. You just seen her this morning. <laughs> I just seen her a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and so, right, you had several children. Yes. And so, I don't know if you want to say anything well, several, between that. several grandchildren, only two children. <laughs> but <laughs> your daughter yes. was very sick. Mm-hmm. And so, you want to tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, it was the next year. We was in revival. The very uh, next year. Yeah. I was in revival. Missy was, uh, she had her, uh, she had her, her one year birthday in the hospital. And I had been preaching like through Weisberg, Kentucky, and through uh, Norton, Virginia, Coburn, Virginia, Appalachia, Virginia, and all those areas. And I was in revival then. Uh, when she first got sick, I think I was uh, preaching for E.B. Bolden, who's gone on to be with the Lord. A lot of guys I preach for has gone on. <laughs> to be with the Lord, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but anyway, uh, Missy was just had a, a severely high fever, and we didn't know what was wrong, and we took her to uh, the hospital there in Norton, and put her in the hospital, and after a few days, they came out and told me she had four major diseases, mm. and she had Rocky Mountain spotted fever, typhoid fever, uh, 
uh, low-grade tuberculosis and leukemia, all four. Now, how's a parent supposed to take that? Boy, I mean, it was terrible. I, I preached six weeks in those three churches, two weeks apiece. And while I was there, Diane never left her. My wife never left Missy. And I, I would go preach my revival, and, and I, I was there most of the day, half the night with my wife. But I, I can remember that. They had these little baby bathtubs they kept the babies in mm-hmm. and, uh, or would bathe them in, and they had them full of ice. Her temperature went to 105 and 6 every day, Brother Austin, every day for those weeks. And they put her on ice. And this is such a great miracle, it almost sounds too far out there, but this is true. And they would dip her on ice, and then when the fever would break, they'd take her off within a couple, three hours. They'd have to do it all over again. And so one day I was praying, and they was, they was telling me, you know, we're going to try all these treatments on these different things. And I was just praying, and the Lord spoke to me and told me, if you'll take her out of the hospital, I'll heal her. So I remember I, I packed up our clothes in the little evangelist quarters we were staying in. And I went to the hospital, and I told Diane, I said, I'm signing Missy out of the hospital. And that's the first and only time from since we've been married till today that my wife has ever questioned any move I said God wanted me to do. And that's true. She don't question me. But that day she did. She said, now listen, David, that's our baby. That's not us. You better be sure it's God. Are you sure? I said, I'm positive. And I remember her doctor was a guy named Dr. Fuller. And maybe I shouldn't have said that on on the air. But anyway, I've already said it now. (laughs) And anyway, I remember I walked over and I said, I'm taking my baby out. He said, if you do, you're going to be a murderer. And he said, that baby will die. You'll never get her home. And I said, I'm taking her out. And, of course, there was a lot of fussing back and forth, you know. Oh, I can imagine. And so I just, I remember taking my hand, sticking. She was on ice. I stuck him right underneath the ice, picked her up in my arms, took my right hand and signed, the, signed her out. And so me and my wife, we headed home. And we stopped by a little Rexall drugstore. My wife wanted to get a thermometer. And she said, you think that'd be a lack of faith? I said, I, I don't think so. So all the way home, my wife took that baby's temperature and shook it down and take it again, shook it down, took it again. It never got above 99, not once. And that hadn't happened in six weeks. I brought her to Newport, Kentucky, and put her in the hospital there at St. Luke Hospital. And they done extensive tests, called me up, and they said, there's not one thing wrong with this child. That doctor must have had some false readings, or did he? T- uh, how do you know she had these diseases? So I said, "Here's his number." I had his phone number, and he called that doctor, and the doctor said, "Yeah, that that baby did it live?" And this other doctor said, "Sure, it lived. Are you sure it had those diseases?" He mailed—I don't even know—I guess they had faxes then, but he mailed those reports to the doctor to prove because. The second doctor didn't even believe it. And he said, well, I guess she had them. I don't know what happened between uh, Norton, Virginia, and Newport, Kentucky. He said, but there's nothing wrong with her now. They kept her about three, wow. three or four days to make sure. And 
Missy's, you, you know her too? Yep. She is uh, unreal. Doug Cornett's wife now, evangelist. And so God's, God's done a lot of stuff for us in, our, in my life. He really has. Well, times have me. changed. If you tried to do that now, they'd take you away in handcuffs. Well, they, I think they would have <laughs> then if they thought they could. Oh, man. You know, I don't mean this wrong, but I'm a pretty big boy. Had been pretty yeah. tough to take me. That doctor is a little guy. I, I mean, mean, just how yeah. everything I know is what ran you mean. nowadays. Yeah. You couldn't just walk in and, and do that, I don't think. No, probably not. <laughs> that's that's unbelievable. It, I, don't and I don't know if... I don't know how you'd want to answer this, but that moment you said the Lord told me to do that. Maybe I'm just going to ask what other people are probably thinking. Yeah. How did you know? I, I knew it was God spoke to me plain. I mean, it was obvious to me. And if God spoke to my heart, I was I would just believe it. I just yeah. didn't no second guessing. You know, it's real easy to encourage somebody like hey the yeah. lord told me he's gonna help you yeah well you know that ain't hard to do not i'm not that downplaying that no you're not but when your kid your baby's life is mm-hmm. on the line well that's I did, a lot of faith i did cry all the way there and i was crying when i took her out but i never doubted what god told me one minute i really didn't that's a testimony right there yeah i mean you know if, if we're going to believe god you got to believe him all the way yeah and I've always tried my best to. You're putting me under conviction. I, I've always <laughs> tried to. Now, look, I mean, there's been other times I've prayed for healings among my family and myself and didn't get it. So I don't know yeah. why. But on that yeah. day, God, God is sovereign. He is on the throne. And we don't understand everything. Yes. We surely don't. But we will by and by. Yes. Those are unbelievable miracles. And so if you're listening to this and you do not know Brother David Miller. I had him on here because this stuff is true. If you don't know him, and I'd say a lot of people do, but if you don't, take my word for it. This is a man of God, and he's telling you the truth. And I know they can sound a little bit outlandish. Like, wow, that really happened. But this is true. And you already told us the documents are there. And uh, just amazing miracles. God can do that today. And so fast-forwarding, it's hard to even move on after you talk about that. I mean, God spared your wife, and then he spared your daughter. It's unbelievable. Amen. And uh, I'll even say this because it's already been on this podcast before, but um, sometime last year we had your son, Brother Brian. Yes. We had him on the podcast for about 20 minutes. I did a Zoom call with him. or No, no, it was a phone call. And he told about he almost died um, back last April, actually, when we was in revival here. And uh, he kind of blames me for that, but that's another <laughs> another story yeah. for another day. I came in the other night. Uh, we was preaching in your watch night service, and he said, uh-uh, I'm leaving. Last time you was here, I died. <laughs> but uh, he's a cut-up. He is. But he was on here, and so God's really, he's really touched your family. Yes. And, I mean, you could have lost your wife and your daughter. Yes. And then I don't know if there was any other times in, in Brother Brian's life that he could have died, but he very well could have last year. Oh, yeah. Easily, and he almost was, did. He was just seconds from it. Yeah, and he said that on testimony. You can go back on our episode list and pull that up. I think it's titled "I Almost Died and Didn't Know It." Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but anyways. So moving on past Sister Missy's healing, it wasn't too long after that you was preaching a meeting or either on your way, and you was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yes. You want me to go from there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I, I don't want to say anything in room. Okay. 
I, I had been preaching through like uh, Missouri and uh, my next my next revival when I left the St. Louis area was I was going to start revival for Brother uh, no I went from St. Louis to Oklahoma preach Brother Don Rich I had just left Brother Don Rich's church he pastored there in Norman Oklahoma and uh, that was 1975 I remember those years mm -hmm. and we was there in revival so our next revival was going to be Phoenix Arizona Wow! and we was going to be preaching there for a, a pastor named C.O. Manus was his name. And so anyway, uh, on the way there, we we was just driving. I think the town was outside the town, of course, but it's like close to a little town called Heber, Arizona. And back then, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have a cell phone, anything like that. You mean you can evangelize that cell phone? <laughs> we didn't have one. <laughs> Did they? Did anybody have yeah. one? I don't know. We schedule <clears throat> services nowadays through text. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, but we was uh, just uh, what I would do. I would when I get my offerings, I send most of the money home, all I could, and my mom and dad would take care of my bills. They would pay them. I'd send the money for them, and I'd keep what was you know left. So. I guess as a young guy, 75, I was still just 20, what would I have been, 22. 22, yeah. married and two kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Evangelizing. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we, we, my car just started dying, you know, it just died. And I looked at the gas gauge and said, man, you know, what is it here? So I, I pulled off the side of the road and I was pulling a trailer at that time. And so I just barely got off the road. So I looked, and I, I know how to change oil. And I might could put a spark plug in. That's it. I don't know much about it. So anyway, I, I thought, what am I going to do? And my wife said, uh, what, what are we going to do? We're way out here in the middle of yeah. nowhere. If you've I mean, never been to Arizona. Yeah, we <laughs> was in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so... I, I, got it, I got out, and I was looking around. I couldn't find nothing. I didn't even know what I was looking for, really, because I didn't know much about a car. There's a cactus. There's a cow. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't even know if I seen a cow. I'll tell you the truth, they wouldn't much of nothing. Yeah. But I, I remember I, I, told, I told my wife, I said, the only thing I know to do is just pray. So I said, don't get out. You stay here in the car and pray with the kids. And I got out, and I went behind our trailer. And you know, I didn't have a big trailer. I had well, I had, I had a twenty-six foot pull behind. That's what I had. So anyway, I got behind the trailer, and I just got down on my knees and started praying. And I was praying similar to this, pretty close to this. I said, "Lord, you know, you told me to go and you'd supply, and here I am. My car's broke down. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what to do. And I didn't have much money either, because." My car was full. We ate good that day, and I was getting close to Phoenix. So anyway, a guy pulls up behind me, and I remember he said, Son, are you having any problems? I said, Yeah, I'm having problems. He said, Well, what is it? I said, I have no clue. I barely got my car and trailer off the road. And he said, Do you care if I look at the car? 
And I said, no. So he, he told me to pop the hood, and I did. He looked. He said, well, I can see the problem. Your fuel pump's gone. I, I tell you how dumb I was. I said, is that bad? <laughs> and he goes, well, it's not good. And so anyway, he said, um, I can fix that for you. If Did you it want. fall out while you was driving? No, it was, I guess, intact. It just was, oh. it just was, it was out. It just wasn't working. out. It wasn't yeah. gone. Yeah. It was still there. It just wasn't working. And so anyway, he said, uh, I can fix it for you. And I said, well, I don't have any money. I said, I can write you a check. But I ain't got much money in there either. And he goes, well, I don't want any money. Now, who does that? Yeah. And he said, I'll go back. He said, it might take me an hour or two. He said, I'll be, I'm going to go back, and I'll, I'll buy you a fuel pump, and I'll bring some gas. So when he did, I'm thinking, I wonder if this guy's really coming back. Mm-hmm. So I just kept praying. And sure enough, he pulls up, and he had a few tools. He got under my car. He put a new fuel pump in it. And uh, then he went and had a couple five-gallon gas cans and put the gas in there, my car. And, of course, I was thanking him, you know, thank you so much. Give me your phone number. Give me your address. He said, don't even worry about it. And he left. Now, humor me in this before you hear the rest. I thought he was an angel because <laughs> I thought, who in the world is going to yeah, stop? in the middle of Arizona. Yeah, who's going to stop on the side of the road and just fix a guy's car and say, I don't want no money? And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I get in the car. I said, Diane, I wonder if that's an angel. She said, I don't know. So we drive on and we get to our revival. The church, I remember, it was on the corner of 16th and Palmer Street. How far was you from the church when you broke down? Oh, probably maybe hour and a half, an hour, hour and a half, not real far. And uh, so anyway, we, we, we pull into the church. I back in there where the guy was there waiting on me telling me back it here and I did and my car ran out of gas right there right there mm. I couldn't even take it off you know the trailer and so I told him I said hey I, th- I think my car's run out of gas and he said oh it's okay you can leave it there so anyway the first night of revival you know I was happy we got there made it there first night of revival one of the first men that walked in the church was the guy who I thought was an angel. I found out he, he wasn't an angel, but he went to church there. Wow. And so I walked up to him, or he walked to me, I can't remember, and I said, do, do you go to church here? He said, yeah, are you the evangelist? I said, yeah. And I said, man, I'm glad, I'm, no, he said, I'm glad I fixed your car. And I said, well, I am too. I can't believe that didn't come up while you was on well, the highway. No, he never asked me where I was going or was I a Christian. Nothing. Wow. Not not a thing. And then then I, I remember telling him this. I said, well, if I get any money this week or whatever I get, I, I want to pay you. He didn't say yes or no. He didn't say anything. And I said, I will as soon as this revival is over or whenever they pay me. And we went 10 nights. And this is kind of. I remember it because of this. We went 10 nights and we had 10 saved. And anyway, at the end of the revival, they, they was really good to me for back in that day. They're super good to me and financially. And so I, I went up to him and I said, hey, how much do I owe you? And his words to me was, well, how much do I owe you? And I said, what do you mean? 
He said, well, we had 10 saved in survival, and five of them was my children. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, wouldn't, isn't that a great blessing? I mean, he told me, you know, I, I fixed your fuel pump, but God saved five of my children. You know, and he, he thought it was just because of that. And yeah. I don't know if it's just because Talk of that. Talk about sowing and reaping. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I, don't, I think it was just because of that. But that was amazing. And so I thought that was great. I come home. And it was about 30 years that passed. I, never, I told that story all over the country mm-hmm. about what happened. You know, how God provided and how God saved. So if you see a car and trailer. Stop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> I just might save your kids. He might. <laughs> but, you know, I told that at camp meeting after camp meeting, revival, and everywhere. Uh, prob- I probably preached at your home church before that second half happened. I don't know, but I preached at a lot of places. So then my foundation of my house uh, started to sink a little. So I called uh, Old Shan Foundation. There's a free advertisement for you. But anyway, I called them up, and they came out, you know, look at, look at my house, and they was telling me, yeah, we can fix it. We can do this and that. And so there's a nice-looking young guy, maybe, I don't know. He looked to be uh, maybe 30, but he's a nice-looking guy. And so I, I'm all, trying, all the time trying to get people to pray, trying to get them to go to church. So I thought, well, I'm going to witness this young guy. Because he had a crew. He was like their foreman or whatever. And they were working on the house. So you, you've been to my house, right? Mm-mm. Okay, well, you should. Anyway, right <laughs> outside the house, there's like a little island. Uh, I got a circle driveway. There's like a little island. And so anyway, I got a, I've got a, a maple tree there. And he was standing right by that maple tree right where it is today. I walked up and I said, hey. I said, are you a Christian? He goes, no, and don't start on me. I don't want to hear about it. And I said, well, you know, I said, you know, maybe maybe that's what you need. Maybe that would be good. You need to get saved. Give your heart to God. He said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, well, maybe you've been going to the wrong church. Because he told me they're all hypocrites. You know, everybody's a hypocrite. Nobody lives right. Can't believe nobody. Can't trust nobody. So I said, well, maybe you've been going to the wrong church. And I said, you ought to try the Pentecostal churches, holiness churches. He said, they're the worst. Mm. He said, that's where I used to go, and they are the worst. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to say to this kid, you know? And I said, well, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And I thought, well, this is my chance, you know? So I just told him, I said, you know, I preached in Phoenix a time or two. I said, I remember my first trip to Phoenix. So I started telling him the story that I just told here. And as I was telling the story, he started to cry. And I thought, I'm going to get through through this guy. He's going to pray and get saved. And that's what I thought. I was just Mm -hmm. trying to reach him for the Lord. And then he stopped me right in the middle of it. He stopped me and he made a phone call. And he and I think I'm telling this correct. He he said words kind of like this. He said, hey, Grandma, do you remember Grandpa telling that story about that preacher that he fixed his car many years ago? And he come on, preached the revival, and how that, uh, I forget if his mom or his dad, one, got saved. And 
I couldn't hear her, of course, but I, I think she said yes, because he said this. He said, well, you're not going to believe it. He said, but I'm in that preacher's front yard right now. He said, he's just in Indiana. I live right there on the, just on the Indiana side over the line from Ohio. And he said, and what was that, about 1,900 miles, something like that, or 2,000? Quite a bit. Miles one way out there, something like that. Anyway, he began to say that, and he said, yes, I am, I will, I will, I will. So then he, he just hangs up, and I'm there with kind of my mouth hanging open. I'm like, no, what was this? You know, and I, he said, I heard about you my whole life, and I thought it was just a story. I didn't think it was really true. And he said, I run from God. He said, I'm a backslider. He said, I, I left my wife. He said, I got as far away from her as I could get. I got as far away from the church as I could get. I wanted far away from my family as I could get. But he said, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to beg my wife to forgive me. I'm going to beg my church to forgive me. And I'm going to beg God to forgive me. And that man just shook my hand. And he turned around and left. He just left. <laughs> and I'm just standing there like, what in the world just happened? But I, I tell you what, I've always said through the years, Brother Austin, you know, we, we do need to give. We need to give and we need to be sensitive because that man, you think about this, he stopped and helped a young preacher. At that time, I was just a kid. Mm -hmm. Helped me out. He bought me a fuel pump and put some gas in my car. God saved five of his children. And not only that, 30 years later, when his grandson said, I'm leaving God, leaving my wife, leaving everything and everybody. God sent, I believe, God sent that boy right to my house. What is the chances that you would yeah. come from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way? Now, I live out in the country. Yeah. Way out in the country. West Harrison, I mean, it's not small, but it ain't huge. No, and I live I live up a holler, you know, because that's where I want to live, as far away as I can get from as many people as I can get. So anyway, I mean, that's amazing, I think, how that happened. And I tell that story a lot when I'm preaching about giving. You know, you give, God's going to give it back. And I yeah. believe that with all my heart. So, you know, when I stop and I do a podcast or something like this, I just realize all over, I'm getting more blessed probably than people listening, how good God's really been to me through my life. And I've got literally hundreds of stories like this that God's been so good to me. He has. Well, I'll tell you, that's just an amazing story. That uh, reminds me of a <clears throat> sermon I've preached a few times lately on God's pursuit mm -hmm. of man. Yeah. That God pursues man. God pursues the sinner. And that's unbelievable. Amen. Unbelievable that God would use that same preacher yes. 30 plus years later. Yes. I tell you, it pays to serve God. It does. It pays to obey the voice of God. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank on you this for having part us. Part one in the life of Bishop Pastor <laughs> David Miller. And uh, join us next week. He's going to be back. He's going to share a few more things with us. And uh, we'll, we'll pick his brain a little bit more and see what else he's got to say. So. Thank you so much for joining us. As we jump off here on this first part episode, I'm going to play a song from one of your CDs. All right. Thank I've heard you. you sing this live, I don't know how many times. Yeah. I know it's one of your favorites. So, Yeah, Trouble in My Way. 
Sometimes we have a lot of trouble, don't we? Sounds like you. Yeah. And I've, um, I record this. It's on my last CD or my newest CD. And I hope you like it. You can get us anywhere you can find music under Pastor David Miller. After a while, after a while, stepped in the furnace, in the furnace, long time ago, long time ago, like Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach like a bad nigga, like a bad nigga, they were not worried. Trouble in my way, trouble in my way, I had to cry. So-